You are listening to Great Nice Guys to have fun with season 1 finale. Please enjoy. If I sound weird, um, it's because I have this weird thing going on. It happens sometimes to me where like I'll eat something I'm allergic to and my tongue will swell up. So that's what's happening to me right now. <laughs> Interesting. Um, do you need to um, go to the hospital or uh, something like that? No, okay? I don't. You yeah. Don't, you don't require any immediate medical attention? No, the only issue is that I have um, tongue pain. Everything I eat hurts and my tongue is like swollen. Um, this happens to me sometimes and I have no idea what causes it because I'm... Um, I don't have enough money to go to an allergist. Um, but it's it's kind of weird. I think the last time this happened to me, I was like 15. So oh my goodness. kind of a weird, but when I, mean, I was have like, you been able to like kind of triangulate like what, what, yes. what foods or what, so yes. what do you think it is? I think it's a particular type of tomato, um, which is so specific, but I think it's like one kind of tomato because when I was a, when what I what type of this, tomato? Call, call, I, call it out. This is the thing I don't know. So when I was um, in middle school and I and I got this multiple times, but then like I I I went to my doctor. My doctor was sort of old, and I had the same doctor for like many years. And he was like, "Just get over it." And I was like, "Okay." Um, but then I like remembered that one thing that I ate that I usually don't eat is I got a Subway sandwich with tomato on it. This was when I was in middle school. Recently, I got a bagel sandwich with tomato on it. And I like, I eat tomato all the time. Um, But that's the only thing that's like out of the ordinary for me was this like one thing. Um, The other thing it could be is um, uh, crab. We we bought some like um, crab rangoon from this restaurant here recently. And it was like real crab in it. And it was super intense. But I don't ever remember eating crab when I was in middle school. So I don't think it could be that. Um, and then the other thing is it could be pickled jalapenos. But I've eaten those plenty of times since plenty of times since middle school. What I'm kind of what I'm getting here is that you don't know. I don't know, but I feel as though it's it's a particular type of tomato that that does this. Um, I But also, like like I said, the only evidence I have is from 10 years ago. So... And trying to triangulate, like you said, um, the similarities between now and then. And the the only thing that overlaps is this tomato. Um, So that I can recall. It's possible that there's something that I didn't recall that is that could be there. That is Um, uh, that's incredibly strange. Yeah. um, I hope I hope it subsides. Does it make it difficult to speak? It does a little bit just because my tongue's like bigger, you know, like it's a swollen um but not too difficult um unless you can like unless you're hearing something that's like this guy can't talk um mostly it makes you it sound difficult fine to... you sound okay fine. thank you mostly it makes it difficult to eat anything um because it's really painful to eat something um anyways that is my world tell me about your target experience it actually ended up being fine they like diverted a lot of people to the self-checkout so i only stood in line i think for about five minutes um so it ended up being being fine but like when i went to get until i was literally only there to get a beard trimmer so like (laughs) um yeah i i need to get a beard trimmer because isaac 
I usually have Isaac trim my beard. Uh-huh. And um, we meant to do it this weekend while we were at the hotel, but we forgot. And so mm-hmm. um, I I can't. I, my mustache is like in my it's like in my mouth. Like my beard is like really, really bad. And my mm-hmm. I, I just ha- I have a horrible beard. It's very puby. It's very coarse and scratchy and ugly. And so, um, but I'm I'm very accustomed to having hair on my face now since the pandemic. So I I need to trim it up. And, what is um, maybe I don't have a beard can... trimmer, but now I do. Okay, you can enlighten me a little bit. What is it like to have facial hair? Um, I don't. I don't have a lot of facial hair. I realize that you really have functionally none. I can't. I like I the I went once, I went a month and a half without shaving, and it just looked like I had like four hairs on my upper lip and it made me break out. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. I um I have very problematic skin. I have a lot of acne scars. Um and because I had really, really bad cystic acne in high school. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I just like, so it's kind of nice. It's like a weird thing where like, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's great. Cause I kind of like most of my acne scars are kind of in that lower part of my face. And so I feel like okay. it kind of covers them, but also from certain angles, it's like the shadow from, from my beard. I like, I trick myself into thinking that it's, it's more acne scars when I feel like I look worse. So I fixate okay. badly on it either way. It is nice to touch. Okay. Sometimes. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm touching it right now. And I'm like, this is kind of, this is kind of nice. Okay. Um, I mean, it definitely, I mean, it's, it's contour for, for men, you know, I mean, like, it's like, okay. it's literally, it literally like just makes your face look different. And I think for most people, it's a way of covering, you know, problematic things going on in the lower half of, of the, of the face. I also, I mean, I have a lot of really stupid and um, petty feelings about the way that gay men are, are just um, so obsessed with beards and beard culture. Although straight men do this too. Um, that's, that's not the only that kind of like cultural real estate of of gay men straight men really like to form identities around beards as well or at least i feel like they did back in like 2012 you know yeah i I style again but i do think there's like a beard culture thing subculture for straight guys but i think the beard thing for gay guys is like a lot different like you're structuring your entire identity around facial hair not just like how you live but also like the people you seek out in your life and it's like really weird um right i don't know yeah i i hate the whole like you know like i'm into beards bourbon and butts (laughs) or whatever you know those those awful things that those people say on those on those apps those kentucky gays it's just very well they act like they're from kentucky but i literally posted about this on um on twitter i think i like i saw this guy's account on scruff and he was like whatever happened to guys riding motorcycles or like really insane. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about fashion. I only wear Carhartt. And then you go and look at his location and he's like, hell's kitchen. Yeah. There was a, like, um, no, they all was, live in New York. <laughs> there was a guy in my college profile. It was a blank profile. And it was always like, um, the bio was, I'm a man. I expect you to be one too. And I, I always think about that in the back of my mind somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Something about that phrasing is really off. Hello and welcome to Great Nice Guys to Have Fun With. I am your host, Roan. This is a Sex in the City recap podcast, in case you weren't sure. Uh, and I have seen every episode of Sex in the City and I love it so much and it's my favorite show. Hi, Hi. I'm Andrew. Um, I'm another host of this podcast. 
and this week my tongue is swollen. Um, I won't go into more detail. Um, Roan, you had a birthday recently. Congratulations. Happy birthday. I did. I, um, I just turned 17. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And as some of you may remember, I turned 16 on the show a few months ago and yeah. now just turned 17 so yeah at this point i'm just like really trying to get a good role in the spring musical which is going to be on zoom yeah um i'm about to take my driver's test for the first time so i'm pretty nervous um oh i did that last year it'll be okay okay um, thank you yeah no i had given the circumstances i had a great birthday it was very relaxing just great. spent time just spent time with my with my boyfriend and my roommate and mm -hmm. um yeah, I talked to some friends on FaceTime, and people were saying lots of nice things to me. It was great. I can't great. complain, but not not much to not much to account for. I literally just laid in bed and played Civilization Five for like most of the day. So that's sometimes, actually really kind of ideal. Yeah, right. Sometimes that's exactly what a birthday has to be. Um, so how were you coming into this week's episode? So you had a birthday and that's always great. Yeah, I had, I had a pretty, I had a pretty chill day. I just did some like last minute, um, pre-Christmas errands. I had to go to Target mm -hmm. and the line was literally like all the way to the back of the store, like where the grocery was. Yeah. Uh, you sent me a picture. It was insane. Yeah. So that was, that was intense. I had to pick up some gifts and stuff and, um, all that. So it was a, uh, it was a fine day. And yeah, I came home and sat down to watch this episode and ate tacos and I'm, I'm feeling great, which great. I think well, is, you know, I, I hope that the viewers are glad to hear that the viewers, the listeners are, are um, glad to hear that because the past few episodes have come in and been like, I am functionally dead. Um, I'm literally like weekend at Bernie's, like getting rolled around in an office chair with sunglasses on. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good. Um, what kind of tacos were they? Um, I ordered from Antique Taco. Shout out to Antique Taco. Okay. Uh, they have a couple locations. One in, oh God. Well, the one that I order is from is, well, I don't want to dox myself. Um, they have a few <laughs> locations in Chicago. Um, yeah. And, uh, I had a, one had like smoked brisket on it and the other one was like a potato Ooh, one. They were great. That sounds good. Oh yeah. Awesome. Well, Expensive, you know, over they're like they're yeah overpriced kind of tacos, but they're they're very consistent and very filling. Like two is like a meal for me. Good, so. that's great. How are uh, you? Thanks for asking. I was waiting. You're um, welcome. So I'm all right. Um, I had a pretty good week this week. Um, I was doing well. Um, we were. I've been working on a gingerbread house for like three days this will be the third night we're working on it oh because we're perfectionists i'm a perfectionist maybe i should back that's that very up. i feel like that's very stanford of you me be being a perfectionist or building a gingerbread house with um with your special someone i feel like is yeah. very stanford yeah um so usually every it's very christmas queen yeah, um, every winter um, I make one with a good friend of mine back home, but because of COVID this year, I'm not doing that, and I'm obviously not back home, so we're making one this year, and it was supposed to be just a one-night thing, but I'm a perfectionist, so it's turned into now three nights, um, and then this whole tongue thing has kind of set me back, so um, I'm really hoping it's resolved by Christmas because we have a whole lot of like 
food plans. Like we're going to make a ham. We're gonna do. Right. We're just going. We're just going crazy for Christmas. Be- before we jumped into the episode, um, Andrew was telling me about the tongue thing and denied yeah. that he needs medical attention, despite the fact that his tongue is swelling, which is a symptom, <laughs> as far as I know, of anaphylaxis. So, so I, I, I am. Tell you. I am deathly allergic to a few things. To, well, to one thing, I'm deathly allergic to aspirin. Um, so I have experienced anaphylaxia, miss, miss anaphylaxia. Is it, is it anaphylaxia or anaphylaxis? Um, I don't know. And I don't care. Um, well, you're going to fucking find out. But I've experienced it before with aspirin. This is it's, like... It's anaphylaxis. I was right. Okay. This is just like at home. one... This is just like one uh, symptom of that, I guess. Um but I have had this multiple times in my life before. I I forget how long it lasts, but it's just like a swollen, painful tongue. I can't I can't explain it more than that. I I've eaten something that I had an allergic reaction to. I don't know what it is because I haven't been doing an allergist since I was five years old. And there you go. This is the reaction that I have. Hoping it clears up by um, by Christmas. I am taking um, ibuprofen for it to hopefully like get the um, inflammation down. I'm also doing saltwater rinses. Um, not really helping all that much. The only alternative I have is to go to the store and spend like $1,000 on an EpiPen and then inject myself with an EpiPen, which I'm not going to do. So there you go. I hope that's resolved like anyone's lingering fear about me passing away from this um, terrible affliction that I have. I was about to say, because, I mean, Sam Stryker has been DMing me repeatedly, like, begging to kind of, like, be a part of our experience here. Great, nice guys to have fun with. And I, <laughs> and I keep telling him, like, Sam, Sammy, Sam. I'm like, right. You, like, you're, you know, you're um, at Best of Grinder comedy uh, career is, like, really taking off and everything. Right. And I'm, I'm flattered, but, you know, I, I, I just, I care about Andrew so much and I don't think that I could do this to for you know i don't think that i could do this to him if you right. were to suddenly die i think that he would have to step in and you i know, think that this i think that this podcast would start to take a very different direction with his maybe we should take a little bit of a closer energy. look at this uh, maybe i should review the, the things i've eaten in the past week or so and we should also review sam striker's whereabouts during that same time interesting yeah, yeah. i mean yeah what have you eaten in the past Two weeks. So today we are talking about the finale of season one. Wow. We did it. Season, I know, season one, episode 12. Um, Very, very apt title given that Christmas is in two days. This episode is called Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. it is not a Christmas themed episode, I thought I thought not that it, it might be based on the based on the title because as I as I mentioned, my memory of season one, I don't usually watch season one on rewatches, so my memory of season one is very fuzzy. Um, mm-hmm. So I was thinking, I was like, is this a Christmas episode or something? But it's it's not. Um, this episode is just all about faith mm-hmm. and having faith and Faith Hill. Faith Hill is featured, right? Exactly. She's not. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, this episode aired on August 23rd, 1998. And we open with, uh, some narration from Carrie regarding Miranda's relationship with Thomas John Anderson, who is an up and coming New York playwright. I love uh, that name. Thomas Anderson is Neo's is Keanu Reeves real name in the matrix. I'm pretty sure it's Thomas Anderson. I think that's what it is. Really? That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, perhaps that could be a reference, but I don't really like see what the connection would be. I'm wondering if it's no, just, I just, I just think it's like the most bland name ever. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really the kind of the perfect name for this character, Thomas John right. Anderson. Right. Um, so Thomas has a habit of immediately leaving bed and showering after having an orgasm. Uh-huh. Um, I did realize like while we were getting like that really close up view of like his forehead, mm-hmm. um, that this is the first time that this has happened to me other than with Stanford, oh this guy kind of has my energy <laughs> you, and, like, I, and I hate that. <laughs> you like proclaim, do you just like pray to God when you have an orgasm every time? Like, no, oh God, like, oh God. Per, no, I, I should clarify personality wise. I don't see, I don't see any real similarities, but just in terms of the physicality, okay. um, <laughs> I was like, Oh, like that's a little bit too close to home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also really love his his bathrobe. Um, after a few a few times of this happening, Miranda ends up questioning him on the showering, um, and he attributes it to his intensely conservative Catholic upbringing. He right. mentions With nuns, nuns yeah, yeah, like kind of putting into his head these ideas that that sex is like sinful, and so he has yeah. this kind of compulsion to immediately basically like rebaptize himself like every time yeah. he has sex. Um, what did you think of that? I so I grew up Catholic. Okay, uh, I, was, I was wondering. I, I famously did not. Okay, I grew up Catholic, but I didn't like. So my situation was a little bit weird. Like I didn't really go to church all that often. But when my mom got married, we converted to Catholicism uh, when I was like five, and mm. um, so we did this whole like conversion thing, which was just like really weird. And so it was like we had to like have years of Catholicism drilled into our head, you know, that every other Catholic kid grows up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we were supposed to go to church every Sunday and we didn't do that. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of, I mean, a lot of Christians do this. I shouldn't even say that it's just Catholics, but I feel like a lot of Catholics, it's like their whole thing is like that they don't go to church except on Christmas and Easter. Some Catholics, my step family is incredibly devout. They go like, they go like every Sunday. They think that I'm gay because I didn't get baptized at birth. Literally. Oh my um, Anyways, so I don't get the whole, like, he has to shower after he has sex as, like, washing, as he's, like, washing the sin away. I, like, I don't, I just don't get, like, where it comes right. from. Right, I don't think that, in, I don't think that in, other than the baptism, I don't really feel like in Christian dogma, like, the notion of having to, like, you know, like, I don't know what the term is, like, absolve yourself of sin. Right, like, yeah. Yourself is, like, really a thing. You know? Right. Yeah. I think it's just child. Like, I, I don't know if the, it was like that super thought out. Also, this is one of those things that like, I'm sure it actually happened to somebody that was writing this. Right. Um, of course. That's, but I'm sure usually with like, things like this, I think that's the case. Yeah. It's just like childhood trauma expressing itself in a really bizarre way. But right. Um, so Miranda reveals on a walk with Carrie that she is a p- completely opposed to dating a Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting. So I feel like they're using Catholic as kind of a stand-in for just like a very devout Christian. But like, I was kind of like saying a little bit ago, I feel like there are a lot of, there are a lot of people out there. Obviously this Thomas Jane Anderson person is, doesn't represent this. Right. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that for me, I grew up Presbyterian. My great grandfather was a Presbyterian minister actually, although we didn't go to church regularly. Um, and I, so, you know, like Protestants and like evangelicals, I feel like are usually way more dogmatic and like obsessed with like purity um, and abstinence and all of that stuff than Catholics are from my point yeah. of view as a non-Catholic. 
Um, there, I, I would agree with that. Like by and large, most Catholics are not super devout because Catholicism is so formulaic. No one is like standing up. Like we don't, there's no preaching in Catholicism. You go, you sit, you're bored for an hour and then you leave and you're supposed to feel guilty for the rest of your life. Um, right. Yeah. Whereas it's like Protestantism, it's like, I don't want to get into this whole like, a fucking like dissection of the protestant reformation but like, <laughs> yeah. but like my understanding is that like you know protestantism kind of came about because like people were so like exhausted of dealing with all of the dogma and like um kind of like cultural baggage associated with the catholic church and all of the like political right. stuff going on with the catholic church at the time and they were okay, like we so just want to only better. focus on uh, the bible <laughs> And, like, everything is just about, like, what the Bible says, which I feel like is what kind of produces phenomena, like, um, these mega churches like Hillsong, certainly, and then also, like, the Westboro Baptist Church and and hate groups. That oh, are, like, I, grew up, rooted I grew up 45 minutes away from the Westboro Right, of course. Um, yeah. Right. So th- that's kind of where I was coming from. Like, I'm not saying, I mean, there are lots of, like, very conservative and devout Catholics, but I feel like there are also lots of people who are like, eh, we're Catholic, but, like whatever yeah, absolutely. absolutely whereas protestants i feel like are often like it's like you're either like a really intense protestant or you're like someone with protestant parents but you're like completely like an atheist you don't like identify right. with protestantism you know right anyway okay enough of all that sorry <laughs> i just thought it was interesting how she was like ruling out catholics i'm like what i thought know. was interesting is it never shows a conversation between miranda and uh thomas john anderson about whether or not he's still practicing you know like it's never explained right if he's still like a practicing Catholic or if it's just this weird childhood thing that he's like compelled to shower after he comes. Right. And of course we get a, we got, we get a lot more insight later on that. So so we'll put a pin in that, but um, you know, Miranda's saying that he's a logical guy and how can he be like so religious and so weird. Um, And that makes Carrie realize that she has, she doesn't really know anybody who goes to church. She says the only time that she's been in a place of worship in New York was at a singles mixer. Um, And so she asks one of my favorite Carrie questions, probably of all time, are relationships the religion of the 90s? I just, I, so I wrote in my notes, I don't get that. Like, how does she I don't jump from... either. It's very goofy. And I yeah. think that it's, I, I don't like that we didn't get a montage in this episode. We didn't get like right. a fourth wall breaker in this episode because mm-hmm. I think we could have used one. I, I agree, like, but I was talking about their relationship with religion. I think that could have been really interesting, actually. But. Right. I also think that they couldn't do it, though, because the question was really grasping at straws. Like, I felt like they yeah. had to reach to get to the question. They're like, okay, well, we can't make up anything to go with it. So we're just we're just rolling with the punches, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was funny. So um, Carrie goes out for a walk the next day um, and we get a little bit of insight um, into her upbringing. And it wasn't religious. Um so she decides to take a look. Oh, I did. At, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I did want to note that like we, it's really rare that we get insight into Carrie's upbringing. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of what I, I we saw know that. Nothing I, about her. What Really? We don't know anything about any of these people's childhoods at all. Okay. Um, and so I just thought that that was worth noting that like we learned yeah. something about what Carrie was like growing up. Yeah. Um, until we decide to cover the Carrie diaries. <laughs> after <Great. the> summer. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so she's like camped out on the sidewalk as people are getting out of this large church. Um, and everyone's like so dressed up. At first I wrote my notes like, oh my God, it's not going to be church. It's going to be like a funeral and she's confused or something like that. But wouldn't that be so funny? Um, oh my anyways, gosh, yeah. Fun. Yeah, so everyone's like wearing designer clothes. They don't usually have funerals on Sunday morning. Right, I know. <laughs> but yeah. this woman walks out and I just want to point her out. She's wearing um, these red glasses 
which were the same exact kind of glasses that the log lady in Twin Peaks and um, Buckaroo Banzai from Buckaroo Banzai wear, and also what inspired me to get my current glasses, which are about red. To say, yes, you if have you've ever glasses. seen me a picture of me and you listen to this podcast, I wear red glasses. Anyways, um, so yeah, they do look, I mean, everyone who's leaving this church looks great. And she's like really confused, I think for multiple reasons. Um, like, how is it so like, for like, how is it such, like, I'm sure in her head, she's like, how is it this like, big institution, but also how do you like dress up for it? It's like, I'm sure in her mind, she's like really confused. Anyways, next thing we know, Mr. Big walks out with an older woman. Um, and you have in quotes here, Carrie says, I think in her head, up until that moment, I thought he only believed in the Yankees, which is funny. Yeah, um, very yeah. cute line. Right. Um, so he he's like putting this woman in a cab and then he sees her across the way and he goes over to say hi to her. Um, and sort of like one of those just um, meet cutes that they have, you know, everywhere she goes, he shows up it's, and they're already like, um, the way I have a lot of really insane <laughs> thoughts about Mr. Big in this episode, the way that he looks at her, I'm just kind of like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like that it's, he's so hot. He's just so hot. It's, it's the way that he expresses uh, like a like a split second of surprise and then acceptance, as if he knew he was going to be surprised. Does that make sense? Like he knows yeah, it's going to happen. The way yeah. I mean, he he really is such a talented actor. Like the way that um, emotion registers on his face is like it's often very believable and it's so compelling for some reason. I don't know right. how to explain it. Yeah, it's just great. So Carrie's like, I didn't know you went to church, and he said, Well, I'm an atheist. Blah blah blah. So we learned that. And then she says, who's the lucky lady or who's the mystery one? And he says, that's his mother. Very sweet. He takes his mom to church every Sunday. That is the Uh, hottest fucking shit in the world. And that is really hot. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So he's like, why don't we... Right. So he's like, why don't we... You know, I get 20 minutes. Why don't we grab a cup of coffee? And she's... um, She's already drinking coffee and she leaves. She had to shit, right? (laughs) That would have been me, honestly. She was like, the cappuccino just kicked in. And I mean, I don't drink coffee, but my understanding is that when you drink coffee, it makes you have to shit. Yeah, I've been drinking coffee more recently because of, I think, the pandemic. I don't know. Um, Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, So we uh, lapse into the evening and Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda are discussing these big revelations. Uh Uh, (laughs) I'm hilarious. Over drinks. Uh, Miranda thinks that big taking his mom to church is a total red flag, which like, of course she feels that way. Um, right. And then Charlotte is living for it. Obviously she thinks that she this says, is the greatest she thing in says, the world. Specifically. She says guys that have good relationships with, them, with their mothers make great husbands. I love that. She specifies husbands, not boyfriends, husbands. <laughs> it's Charlotte has her eye on the fucking prize. Oh yeah. We're going to see well, that. And that's her whole plot this episode. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like, her she, plot this episode. Yeah. She is just so like she is like a um like a magnet train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like no stop, like going Laser from like birth, birth to marriage. Yeah. Right. Um <laughs> and then after that we'll see. Miranda's cynicism isn't personal against Big. She's still spiraling because of Thomas's post-coital showering habit. Mm-hmm. Um Charlotte comments at Park Avenue Presbyterian. I Googled this, so um, I think that they did film at the actual church, but it's not yeah. called Park Avenue Presbyterian. It's called Central Presbyterian Church. Um, okay. It looks very nice. It's a 57th and Park Avenue. And it's one of those, um, it's one of those churches now that like is very like, all are welcome here. And we have like 
really cool music on Sundays and Wednesday nights too, for some reason, like that kind of <laughs> church, which I, I'm not talking shit. I love that. Um, I, I think that churches that are trying to be modern and cool, I think that can often be cool unless they're preaching hate. So, oh, Carrie made me laugh so hard. She says, what are you doing? Rating churches? Is there a Zagat guide for that? Right. And it's, funny <laughs> it's funny because this is before Yelp, but like churches literally do have reviews on Yelp. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Anything that you can fucking think of, people, any place, any location, Yeah, people can leave Google reviews. Um, years ago, I, I applied for a job at Sagat, actually. I didn't get it, but I applied. <laughs> that would have been great. Are they still a thing? They are. Um, They got bought by Yahoo a few years ago, and they tried to do this. Oh, whole no. Like, Just like Tumblr. So, so um, Zagat started in Chicago. So if you go to certain restaurants, it'll still have like a Zagat. I do notice it. sometimes the Zagat signs. Yes. Yeah. Um, Carrie really wants to meet Big's mom right. and is starting to talk about that when Samantha shows up after a five hour lunch with a man named James and a man who she is in quotes in love with. Right. She says love. Right. Well, this is, this is like, the most unique Samantha episode so far. Definitely. This is such a big, a big pivot for her. And I think it's really interesting that they do this kind of pivot, like right at the season finale. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. We get some backstory uh, on Samantha and James's um, relationship. So Samantha was treating herself to some great music on a Wednesday night. And I love that Samantha loves jazz. I just, I realized that this is the first time that we're really, this episode is the first time we're really learning more about Samantha than just her love of sex. <laughs> yes, like, it's, it's great for that. I also, I want to, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm interrupting you a lot tonight. Not that that's anything new, but I want to just point out that her trait of loving jazz is very funny because I don't know if you know this, but there is a viral video of Kim Cattrall not acting. Like, I don't know what this is from. People are going to know what I'm talking about right away. There's a viral video of her and this man might have been a a boyfriend or a husband or a lover, maybe. I don't know that much about Kim Cattrall, like, you know, outside of this context. But she and him, he's playing the upright bass Uh and she is um, kind of... (laughs) I, I hesitate to say rapping, um, but, but kind of um, rhythmically speaking, uh-huh. um, a poem called a dog, okay. yeah, called a dog's day by Rudyard Kipling. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. We, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Yeah, I, I actually love this. And I love how she's sitting at this table alone and she's like clapping. Like this is the most like human I feel that Samantha's ever felt. Yes, so and then- I feel like, some. I'm so sorry. I just, I feel like Samantha does this a lot probably. And I really love that. I love people right, right. who are, cause she's just like, oh, I can do anything by myself and, and I'll right. have a good time. I'll go eat alone. I'll go drink alone. I'll go to a movie alone. You know, mm-hmm. I think I, I love shit like that. So as she's clapping, James shows up and um, he says, I can't help but notice how you're moving to the music or whatever he says. Um, And she asks if he's a musician. He says, yeah, trapped in a lawyer's body. (laughs) And she says, says, 
well, we won't tell anyone, which is like the most charming thing. I think that I think that Samantha was the one who was really pulling the charm in the scene. Yeah, I thought that I thought they were both great, but yeah, I agree that she right, was he did a good job. But she her, was like the way that her energy shifts, like from like the right. minute that she sees him, is like right. great acting as usual. Um. So after they leave, we get a a really hefty um Krispy Kreme. Uh, product placement. Um, oh God, yeah. <laughs> and Alpha, just to keep in line with our religious theme, he says, "You have to try the glaze. It's a little bite of heaven." And then she bites it, and she goes, "Heavenly." Um, yeah. So we just gotta keep doing that. Um, she chooses to not have sex with him, though. She chooses to not invite him inside. She shakes his hand. Um, they make plans to meet up again, though. Um, and then we're back in the club, and. Samantha says that she has not had sex with him yet. Yes. Um, she tried, what did, did she literally just order a glass of water? Uh, I, I think that, I think did my, you my, prop? I did. Yeah. I, my feeling is that someone else ordered her a glass of water because they thought she was like going crazy. <laughs> oh, that, fuck. That would be funny. Um, maybe it is just like a gigantic glass of gin. It's huge. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> um, so Samantha thanks Charlotte for granting her the courage to not sleep with a man immediately, but she still refers to Charlotte's views as bullshit. I, I, love I, that. I wish I'd written down the whole line. She was like, all that bullshit that you've been spewing right. <laughs> actually ended up being helpful. Um, right. So good. <laughs> uh, Samantha thinks that James is someone who she could actually marry. Insane. Insane. Who the fuck is this person? Mm-hmm. I don't know who this is. Um, and this really, really disturbs Charlotte, right. um, thinking about Samantha pot- potentially getting married before she does. So, you know, she's on the Magna train heading straight to Marriage Town, um, but she right. needs to make a stop on the way to uh, a tarot card reader. Right. So she goes to Noni Stein, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I might not have written that name down right. It was it was unusual. But yeah, no, we're going to go with we're going to go with Noni. Right. Um, so she's a famous tarot card reader, uh, famous to Charlotte because this tarot card reader accurately predicted the age at which her sorority sister would get married. Um, so obviously <laughs> she's going straight there. Also, I love that we get the tidbit that she was in a sorority because that just makes sense for Charlotte. Of course. Um, um, yeah. So um, she sees a picture on the uh, tarot card reader's desk and it's of Madonna, her and Madonna. And she says, <laughs> yeah, we go to the same Kabbalah class, which I just, I love that detail. Um, so Charlotte draws three cards um, and Noni asks her if she has any specific questions. She goes, well, no, well, actually there is one. When am I going to get married? Um, so she draws the Ace of Wands, um, Nine of Cups, and the hanged man um and noni interprets all these as charlotte being a very strong independent and successful woman but no marriage um and charlotte like like it's like i love what she says she's like how can you say that and the psychics are just like what and i like the word she's (laughs) looking for is you don't have any bedside manner but she's a psychic (laughs) (laughs) well she tells it herself she says i'm a psychic i'm not a shrink we get a very sudden cut, and all of a sudden we're in Big's kitchen, and Carrie's there too. Uh, and they're eating because apparently Big doesn't have a dining room because they've never eaten in his dining room. Before. Yeah, they definitely just eat in the kitchen, um, right? Which, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a fabulous island in that kitchen. I don't know why yeah. you want to just always eat there. Um, so we get a sudden cut to 
<laughs> Let me just start over. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> All right. So you know that we're in the kitchen, but what you don't know is that she's asking when she'll get to meet his mother. Right. Um, so Big is dubious that Carrie would want to actually go to church. Um, mm-hmm. Big is being very sweet with her. He says something like, you know, I didn't think you were someone who went to church. And she asked him to clarify. And he says, I thought you belonged to the church of beautiful and intelligent women or something. Yeah. <laughs> that made me horny. <laughs> horny. That's funny. Anyway, uh, Carrie says that she's open-minded and not, but, you know, not particularly religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it becomes clear quickly that Big really does not want Carrie to tag along for this. Like, this is kind of a private tradition between yeah. him and his mother. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's awkward. Carrie's disappointed. Okay. You know, we're, we're going to learn more, but at this point, like, what are you thinking? Do you think that big is like being genuine? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, okay. I think it's totally fine. Um, you know, like I, I want to get into this more later, but this is part of the reason why I kind of dislike Carrie is because I feel like, she, I mean, when has she offered to introduce Big to her parents? You know, that's the thing uh, we know nothing about. Kind of like exactly. I was saying, we literally know nothing you know, about Carrie's parents. I think it's implied that they don't live in New York, so that's probably yeah. part of it. But, but um, anyways, yeah, just keep going. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings on this. Yeah, and well, at the end of the episode, it, it all comes right. out, so we'll we'll get right. there. Um, right. So this is awkward. And he can tell that Carrie's feeling ill at ease, so he just kind of randomly suggests that they go to the Caribbean next weekend for a vacation. Yeah. That was a little weird, but, you know... That was I odd. Think that, I think yeah. he's making, like, a... I think he's trying to, like, just change the subject, but also, like, give a gift in a way. Like, I, I don't know. Right. He's, uh, he's trying to make a... He's really just trying to kind of, like, uh, consolidate his, his need for space and his need to kind of do things on his own time um, with you know, the fact that Carrie clearly really wants things to kind of move forward in the relationship. And so yeah. that's his way, I think, of trying to kind of tie all of that up. He, he's right. just, he's looking for a quick fix, I think. Um, right. Um, so cut to Thomas is just going to town on Miranda again. Um, and he is... I think this is our scene. <laughs> second isn't this nice us together yeah look i'm just gonna go jump in the shower and then boom i'm all yours there's nothing sinful about sex oh oh really well thanks for clearing that up and what is that the gospel according to miranda 
what are you going to tell me next? That God made the body, and if God made the body and sex is an expression of that body, how could anything made by that God-made body be considered sin? Well, yeah. Ah, it's a miracle. I'm healed. You're free to go work with the lepers now. I guess this means I'm not going to hell. Great news. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you for saving my immortal soul. In her effort to help, Miranda had accidentally detonated some kind of Catholic guilt bomb. I'm gonna go take a shower. When I come out, I kind of like it if you weren't here. You got it. Six months later, that exact same speech would find its way into Thomas John Anderson's hit off-Broadway play, Shower of Shame. Wow, so... Yeah, what the hell was that? Right, um... Yeah, I like the detonated a Catholic guilt bomb. Like that, yeah. Well, uh, it, that. Was, it was really, you know, one of these days we're going to have my roommate Tom on the podcast. I think that this would have been an excellent one for Tom because he comes from a, a big Irish Catholic family. He went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. My roommate Tom, in case anyone's wondering. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he has a lot of very interesting takes on Catholic guilt. I feel like this was kind of like really incoherent Catholic guilt. Like, I could not figure out, like, what, like, what, I was like, what's your damage? <laughs> like, why are, why are you so, so deeply offended by just wanting, like, Miranda just wanting to hold you? Yeah, I think, though, that maybe this episode is also about um, not pushing boundaries too far. Like, I get that he totally blew up her. All she did was ask one question and he blew up on her. For sure. That's like, that's uncalled for. But I think that, like, Miranda has a habit of of wanting things to be her way. Shocker. Um, (laughs) And, like, maybe not this time, you know, it's called for. But maybe if, like, has she pushed a little bit further, this would have been called for. Because this is just something that this guy, like, it's weird yeah sure like it's it's odd but like this is just how he deals with his like weird trauma that he has i don't know um and i don't like it feels like he's him spouting off all of these um you know uh thoughts i guess you call them uh, is are, are things that he's already thought about like these are all of these things that he's already thought about that have not fixed the situation for himself so obviously right. anything Miranda is going to say is not going to fix it so yeah i i really could not make any any sense of the scene uh i definitely not somebody that i would want to see again and miranda feels the same way so yeah <laughs> you love to see it so um uh samantha and james are at his place. I think it's his place. They still haven't, they really don't like settle on an interior for Samantha's apartment until season two. So I'm like, I don't know what fucking apartment this is, but I think they're at James's house. Um, and they are finally about to fuck. It's happening. So, um, but before they do that, they say that they love each other. Yeah. Weird. After two weeks. I mean, this connection, I mean, we don't see too much of it, but I mean, this connection must be unbelievable. Mm-hmm. For, for someone like Samantha to be compelled to go this way with somebody, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's totally inexplicable. I, I would say it's almost, I mean, I, I appreciate that they're giving Samantha depth and they're changing the way that Samantha looks at relationships and and, mm-hmm. and looks at men and the world. But uh, I found this to be a, a little bit, like just a, sh- a hair too far 
you know, like okay. it was like to the point where it, it felt unbelievable for the character for me. Okay. Um, people don't, especially people that are like in their forties and are like really, really kind of set in their ways. I think a lot of the time, I don't think that they change on a dime like this that quickly. Um, well, uh, the, famous, the news of the news of the week is the Martin Shkreli situation with that journalist. Oh my God. So I don't want to get into that right now, but that, I mean like, Hey, that's just yeah. proves you wrong right there, Ron. Yep. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Um, so she beckons for him to come fuck her and it seems like things are going great. They're making out and stuff. And she says, okay, I'm ready. Put it in. Yep. To which she says it is in. Right. <laughs> we get another, another Catrali and face journey, which is just great. Cause it's a season finale and we get, we get another excellent one from her. Mm-hmm. Um, this is some truly outstanding acting from Kim, Kim Catral. Cannot praise her enough. So I do. Wanna, I, I want to talk about this. Yeah. I had in my notes. Right when he showed up and, and she said, we haven't had sex yet. I wrote in the notes, he's going to have a small dick. I knew it. I, I knew it. Like, we should like count that as a prediction that you got right. <laughs> okay. I do have one person who can back up that I wrote that down uh, when the scene happened. So Excellent. Okay. Well, um, I was going to, I'm, I, I'm interested in, in getting into the, um, into small oh, dicks. Just I guess. <laughs> yeah. Size um, just <laughs> Yeah, well, I I want to just say right off the top that I think that shaming people for having a small penis is incredibly juvenile, and uh-huh. obviously this is very dated, and people were not thinking yeah. about body shaming and stuff like that in the same context. But I know that because of patriarchy, a lot of men feel incredibly insecure about the size of their penis, yeah. um, and there is a lot of like really gross shit tied up in that. And I think that it's wrong. That said, I recognize that everybody has needs and preferences and those are like very individual and Mm -hmm. I'm like not going to try to cast any judgment, which brings me to my question. Are you a size queen? Um, uh, you know, like what is, am I putting you on the spot too much? is Is there a term for someone who's like, you know, like I don't, I don't need that. But when I do have that, yeah um yeah i mean yeah no no but yeah like in a relationship i I think you're saying that you you appreciate a big dick but you are not the kind of person who would immediately reject somebody oh absolutely it is it is not a requirement by any means to have a large penis to entertain me but at all in fact Um, in fact sometimes i prefer something a little bit more you know uh standardized standard size i have Um, heard that a lot from from bottoms that uh-huh. sometimes it really is like an average size penis is like actually really kind of like built depending on everyone's, I know everyone's anatomy is a little different, but it's uh-huh. kind of seems like that, like pretty average size, like five or six inch penis is yeah. like really uh-huh. kind of like the perfect size for like maximum pleasure. Right. Um, I wouldn't know anything about any of that, <laughs> but I, you know what I'm, I think the beauty of uh, what I think the beauty of it is that like, Big dicks are just such a rarity that when you do encounter them in the wild, it's like, okay, yeah, this is great. Like, this is, this is, this is great. But then when you like, you know, are dating someone and they just have an average size penis, it's like, this is also great. Like, I don't right. need That's the term boyfriend dick. Yeah, boyfriend dick? I've never heard that before. But okay. uh, boy, boyfriend dick is like, it's not like, it's not scary penis. It's not uh-huh. shocking penis, but it's like, it's like, it's, um, it's like Goldilocks. Yeah. It's just right penis. I'll say, so I have one story. I, I have one story about encountering the opposite, a very small penis. And uh, the, I, I was, I didn't, 
like shame him at all. Like nothing happened. We were just like doing it. And this was a whole situation where I was single. He was in a long-term relationship, long distance, like it, it had just gone long distance and they just decided to like open it up. Mm-hmm. And this guy had not had sex with anyone for like two, anyone else beside his boyfriend for like two years. So obviously there's like a lot of baggage that comes with that, I think. So I showed up, you know, things are getting going down. He pulls his pants down and I'm like, okay, this is, smaller than average but i i'm gonna you know do what i do and then he okay so everything was going fine i thought i was shopping on your hazmat suit he said no he he literally looks down at me he looks down at me and he goes um can you deep throat yeah wait uh yeah i was kind of like uh <laughs> I, I, was, I was kind of like it's you know I I don't I can I but ha, maybe not this one. <laughs> like, yeah, like do you have a cucumber I, nearby or? Yeah, I, was like, I don't know what else you want me to. I'm like, dude, oh <laughs> and I God. wasn't trying to be mean at all. I was just like, yeah, and he's like, okay, can you? And I was like, yes. And I was, I was just sort of, I was, I'm shocked. Like, I, he wanted you like, to like unlock your jaw and like. Swallow his whole lower torso, face. like he wanted. Yeah, like completely, like flush with with right. his abdomen. Right. Um. Anyways, that's just my one story, and I've never encountered like a true micro penis before, and I don't know what I would do in that situation. But I'm sure we'd, there'd be a lot of kissing. So. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too is like it's not all like I, I think especially. I mean, I, I shouldn't say especially with gay sex. I think that this applies to everyone. There, there's so many ways to have sex. Yeah, there, there's so many ways to enjoy someone in that way and 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 pleasure each other. That I'm kind of. I mean, they get into this like later, but like, yeah, I just, I really, I, I do think that getting super hung up about stuff like that, from my point of view, that is kind of juvenile. But I also, I, I recognize, like I said, that you know, everyone has preferences. I think for gays too, I mean, like we're. I think that I think there are some people out there, the ones who are most vocal on Twitter, maybe, who mm-hmm. need certain things. Like they're like they just obsess over like penis size or whatever. I don't know, whatever it is, beards, right. for example. Anyways, yes, I don't know, but, but I do think that we are better at communicating about what we like and, and what we do, and that leads to a lot more possibility for satisfying those needs without having that physically, you know, anatomically. Um, right. Whereas great relationships like hetero heteronormative like heterosexual man woman relationships don't have that kind of communication typically or right. at least not historically so i don't think that like i i kind of i empathize i sympathize with samantha in a way because i see that it's like so difficult to have a conversation about that and figure out a way to solve the problem but anyways yeah um so um it is sunday morning uh, Carrie and Miranda. Can you put in the soundbite? Is there a way that you can put in the soundbite? Good morning. Sunday morning. Carrie and Miranda are dressed in what I think that they think is like a typical Sunday. <laughs> like, yeah. A spoiler alert. I'm going to talk about one of these looks. So. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they are on their way to Park Avenue Presbyterian um, in order to spy on Big and his mom. I'm not even going to get into commentary. We'll come back to this. Um, yeah. yeah. You wrote in the <laughs> They look very normal, exclamation point. Absolutely. Um, so normal. I'd be like, yeah, they go to this church. Um, they sit in the balcony so they can look down and observe. Um, Randa's already fucking pissed off. Um, I <laughs> kind so of good. deal with her. Um, so 
yeah, she's she's pissed off because like religion is already ruining ruining her sex life. Like now she has to go to church. I'm amazed that she agreed to go to this. Anyways, yeah, I know. I, I did say that this was me after reading Richard Dawkins for the first time in eighth grade. Or was it Richard? <laughs> Daw- no, it was Christopher Hitchens actually. Okay, I Great. had my brief like adored atheist phase, and yeah, this was this was me sitting in church at the time. <laughs> Beautiful. So they see Big and his mom, and they sit and Big and his mom sit down. And Miranda's like, let's go. They get up to leave. And of course, Carrie drops her Bible um, from the balcony all the way to the stone grounds. And everyone looks up at her. Big sees her. His mom sees her. Everyone sees Carrie. Um, also, like like you said, they look very normal. So they definitely don't stand out in any way. Um, right. Literally everyone is wearing navy blue or black. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, um, yeah, it's a, it's a mess. Right. Um, so church is over. Um, Carrie is going to approach Big and his mom, uh, and she tells Miranda to leave. Miranda steps away. Um, so, intro, uh, you know, Big and his mom, and Big introduces her as my friend Carrie. Obviously, Carrie freaks out about that. We see Big's mom, and I have to just say this this is like a huge moment for me. This is so a few episodes ago, we had um, the mom from Home Alone 3. This is the old neighbor from Home Alone 3. This is Mrs. Hess. Um, I love it. I love it. We it just have so many... Do you think it could be the same casting director or something? It totally Honestly. could be. It totally yeah. could be. Or, you know, um, this, this agent. The, like, maybe, like, they're represented by the same people. It's yeah, it totally could be. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more, more of this in the future. More Home Alone 3 people in the future. Um, anyways, so Carrie is very upset that Big introduced her uh, to his mom as my friend Carrie. Um, his mom leaves to go talk to the pastor and Big and Carrie have a little bit of a altercation. Um, you know, Big is expressing his feelings. He's like, you know, um, I asked you not to come to uh, church with my mom and I, and you do, blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, anyways, uh, oh, also Carrie's like, why can't you introduce me as your girlfriend? And Big says, I can't have my mom meet another girlfriend. Okay. Uh, bad, bad choice of words. Bad choice of words. I mean, um, right. So it's clear that they're not on the same page, obviously. Um, she's calm enough. Um, Big and his mom leave. Carrie is sitting alone in the church. Miranda comes to join her and they talk about it. Um, they try to rationalize their way through it. Um, Miranda suggests maybe Big and his mom aren't that close. And Carrie decides that she can't get inside that, that quote. There you go. Carrie can't get inside. Yep. Yep. I, I, yeah. Where, where are you at at this point in this episode? I. Let's have a check in. (laughs) Yeah. Like this was brutal. Maybe so many brutal things. Maybe I'm gonna get canceled for this, but I don't really care. I'm 100 percent on big side. 100 percent on big side. I'm like 70 percent on big side. So no, I don't think that that's cancelable. I I I mean, like she completely violated like a very clear boundary that he had set. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's just it's so easy to just not do that. Yeah. And it's so frustrating as a Carrie apologist and a Carrie Bradshaw <laughs> stan. It is so frustrating to see her behave so 
irrationally. Right. Um, yeah. What? what how, why are you one hundred percent on big side? Um. Let's let's get back to it at the end. I I have I want to go on kind of a spiel, and I don't want to I don't right. want it to be before we've seen because this really story. this really does. I mean, like we have these other couple things, yeah. and then we get into the final scene, and it's like it's all connected. So yeah, put a pin in that. Put a pin in it, Mickey. Yeah. Watch the comeback. Also <laughs> created by Michael Patrick King, I believe. Okay. Go watch the comeback if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the comeback yet. You, you need to go onto primewire.ag or like whatever the fuck, you know, let me watch this.in or whatever the hell it is. And um, you need to watch the comeback starring Lisa Kudrow because it's like just as funny as this, but like a completely different show. Okay. Anyway, put a pin in it, Mickey, as a reference to that. So uh, we're now headed to another church, but this right. time it is the Church of Disco. Right. <laughs> Oh my fucking god! This is my dream. This is really? my dream. Oh d- well, so um, some people might know about me that I am um, I'm a singer and I I sing in in <laughs> choirs. Uh, I've sang in choirs for for most of my life. I like I said, I didn't go to church growing up, so I didn't have like church choir experiences in my youth. But I started singing like in high school, and you know, I did like college choir, and now I'm part of like a an amateur non religious um yeah choir in Chicago. Although obviously right now we're not doing anything, and so uh, even though I am not religious and and didn't grow up super religious, I I, I love churches like uh-huh. the buildings themselves so much like they're really kind of my favorite buildings to be inside of honestly and i know this is a lot of gay people um well a lot of people but especially a lot of gay people have very very negative connotations with being inside of churches and they have like a total opposite feeling um but i'm i think i'm very lucky that pretty much all of the experiences that i've had inside of churches have been positive because it's just me getting to sing beautiful music um (laughs) and and i just find them to be you know often like just so you know, visually stunning. Um, and so that, just, this just makes me think of the, there's a, there's a video on YouTube of a guy that went to like a really famous uh, church in Germany just to sing the Halo 2 song. <laughs> um, that is honestly the dream. It's amazing to sing in a, in a building like that. I mean, they're literally, they're yeah. like built, um, they're built for this purpose, you know? Okay. So, I believe you. Uh, it's just great. So I would love to go to a rave or a, or a party or something like that in a church. I really don't think that this happens. I I, I have no insight into that. That is not I mean, my universe. Only way. only in New York, maybe. But like, <laughs> I, I just I don't feel like this is a thing that happens. Um, yeah. So unless it was like being done illegally or something, or you know, clandestinely, I'll say. Uh-huh. Anyway. So we meet Stanford and his new boyfriend, Alan, who seems very sweet. I loved what Carrie said about them, um, that they both worship the same God style. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's just, that's so like classic gay in a way that I just love. Um, I also said that I miss when you could smoke inside of clubs, which I did a lot when I was five. <laughs> right. Uh, of also, I, since I'm not going to talk about this look, I want to talk about it now. Carrie's extensions are a, a complete fucking disaster. Really? I, I didn't even pay attention. What? They were not blended into her hair at all. I mean, okay. it looked it looked like a row of like <laughs> mini blinds, okay. like hanging out of the bottom of her hair. I mean, it was it was truly a nightmare. Right. Um, not a ton really happening at this point in the scene. Like Carrie's yeah. just explaining all of the big problems to Stanford. I don't really remember what he said in response. 
Oh, we should really... do the party. The party is for this new like fragrance or something that stands. Yeah, it's for a, a new perfume or cologne, and and Alan Stanford's Stanford's boyfriend or whatever. Um, designed the bottle. Designed the bottle. Yes, yeah. of course. Um, so Carrie's like you know telling Stanford about all of this. Um, I think he's just kind of agreeing with her, being like, "Yeah, like that's weird that yeah he didn't introduce you to his mom." Um, really quick cut to Miranda, who looks beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. she is at the bar and we run into Skipper. Skipper's I am back. shaking my fucking head. When, the, when he came in, I just, I made such a, I made such an audible ugh noise. It just, it, it, ugh, ugh. Okay. Uh, wh- why did you have that reaction? I'm just, I'm fucking sick of Skipper. I'm so like, I'm <laughs> just so fucking sick of Skipper. Did you think that we were done with Skipper? No, I didn't. After the disaster? No, I didn't. But I just, I wished we were. Fuck. I was, I was okay with seeing Skipper. I feel like Miranda needed to see Skipper. I'll say that. Uh, all right. I disagree. I think that Miranda needed to just see I think in this, mo- in this moment, in this moment where she was at in terms of like, like she just wants somebody to, to fuck her in like a really nasty way. <laughs> and and okay. even though we've never seen um, Miranda and Skipper like fully having sex, yeah, we haven't. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that um, certainly compared to Thomas John Anderson, I feel like I feel like this, yeah. I feel like Skipper's probably pretty nasty, nasty okay. enough. Yeah, you know. Okay. Yeah. So um, we walk into the bathroom, and uh, they're all there: um, Carrie, Charlotte, Miranda, and Samantha. Samantha is. Um, ferociously applying lipstick in the bathroom and her hair's sort of messy. Yeah, she was kind of... <laughs> she, she's very visually um, kind distraught. of... Distraught. Distraught yeah. in the scene. Right. Yeah, it's great. So they asked her it, how if her and James uh, had sex and she said, yeah. And she goes, it was nice. And then boom, she just has a complete breakdown, runs into one of the stalls and just starts sobbing. Um, yeah, she, they, they walk and they say, what's the matter? And she says, he has a tiny dick. Um, and they, this exchange is just amazing. Like the whole, the whole scene is really, really, really good. Moments like this, sorry to cut you off. Moments like this on the show, um, really make me jealous of women. (laughs) Cause these, and let me explain why these, these women's bathroom Oh, moments okay. i i feel like there's a camaraderie and like what happens in the in the women's bathroom mm-hmm. that i'll just i'll never i mean i feel like i've experienced this at like gay bars and stuff like that that no longer um segregate their bathrooms by gender so you do sort of get to experience this now maybe but like you know certainly like before i i you know like i feel like <laughs> these conversations and and weird exchanges that can like only happen in the women's bathroom at clubs um mm. I, I feel like are just so um interesting and fun and this kind of thing that like men like never really um get to experience because we don't talk in bathrooms generally yeah i don't think i've ever had any sort of um good experience in a in a men's restroom unless it was empty right Um, i mean i think you know lots i mean with gay men it's different because gay men love going into the bathroom to make out or do coke or like whatever but i don't um, you know i'm speaking very generally here so okay um so she's like well carrie says something like oh it's you know it can't be that bad and uh, Samantha says, try three inches hard. And they all go, ooh. Um, so again, this is pre-body shaming discourse. Yeah, this is yuck. Uh, I mean, but like it must be said in a 2020 context. I mean, 
I don't even want, like, this wasn't that long ago. Like, I don't even know if I necessarily want to give them the benefit of the doubt. This is yucky. This is making people feel weird, you know? But I, it was happening in all media. Like, Sex and the City is not exceptional I don't think in this way. I, it still I, happens in media. Personally, no. I don't think it is harmful to discuss dick size. I mean, obviously, we just had a conversation about dick size. But I think that it's, like, if you're talking about it and you're not talking about it with your partner... Uh, and it's an issue that's where it becomes kind of an issue um so she says his dick is like a gherkin um and then miranda says i fucked a guy that had uh a dick that was size the size of one of those mini golf pencils i couldn't tell if he was trying to fuck me or erase me that was so fucking funny put that on a Um, goddamn t-shirt that is a really underrated line from this show that can be used um, in so many contexts. We should have named that "fuck me or erase me." We should have named the podcast that. Yeah. Um, anyways, so they're all sort of like you know making her feel better, and Charlotte says, "Well, how's his tongue?" And they all look at her. I thought that was really funny. Um, Charlotte anyways. loves getting eaten out. That's like canon. Yeah. Also, I, it's we so great. we forgot. Like I like Samantha goes into in depth about her love of big dick. She says, "I love big yes. dick. I love." I, I forget her whole monologue, but she's like, I love when they fuck me. I love them inside of me. I love... Uh, I love I, looking at them. Yeah, like all of it. And she, then she says, when I blow him, it's like nothing. <laughs> it was so... It was so real. It was right. so I felt palpable. palpable. Um, so Charlotte decides, because of this whole, like, Samantha uh, situation, she decides, like, okay, now's the time. She goes to a different psychic um and it doesn't go well um this is this is a caribbean psychic um which actually right. I, I, the, the 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 hand card or whatever that she had said that it was a it was a santorian psychic so yes i actually this is a, an aside but i read a book about um latin american um uh like fortune telling stuff like that it's actually really intriguing um like how it pairs um, like Catholicism and also um, like uh, indigenous culture stuff. It's kind of intriguing. Right. Um, this yeah, it's doing a very good job of <laughs> you know. Yeah, exploring I it, mean, I actually, if you're if you're okay with me, like jumping in here a little bit, I yeah. I feel like we need to talk about this. So um, I, I think that the, I think that this scene is pretty racist. Uh, I think I, I really feel like um, they like try to kind of like make these people out to be like swindlers or whatever, like, you know, like vis-a-vis the, the white tarot reader who is, you know, treated as like an authority and like has this like really cool, like space that she does it in, you know, in like midtown Manhattan versus like this, where she's going, you know, all the way uptown or out to like Brooklyn or something. And it's like seen as this kind of like, it's supposed to be like more hardcore, you know, this is like the next level. Um, But then it's seen as like being, it's treated as like a total sham or whatever. And I realized that like the tarot reading from earlier wasn't treated super seriously either. Um, But there's like a very clear kind of distinction there. And the reason that I feel compelled to call it out as being pretty racist is that something that I noticed when we met Alan is that other than like one of the modelizers friends from episode, I think it was episode two, um, there are, there are no named black people with speaking roles in Mm -hmm. season one, other than, yeah, the modelizers friend from like the cold open of, um, episode two and then Alan in this episode. And then also the, the, um, the woman practicing Santeria for yeah. for Charlotte. Uh, you can't hear her, and she's speaking in Spanish as well. Yeah, she's but. speaking in Spanish, and then the guy sitting next to her is translating. So I, um, the it goes without saying, and they do they got a lot of flack for this 
And mm-hmm. I, oh, in yeah. season, th- if you're okay with me letting you know something that's going to happen in season three, okay. they do have an episode that kind of like tackles race. Um, so okay. we'll kind of, we'll get into that when it comes. But um, I just want to acknowledge the fact that like the show does a really, really fucking bad job of, um, you know, thinking about diversity. And the thing is, this was, this was 1998. Like we yeah. were like fully in the throes of like nineties multiculturalism. Like they should have been thinking about it. Like, I really don't think that there's any way to excuse it other than just, just ignorance and um, you know, the way that whiteness kind of prevents us from, from seeing things like that or whatever. Yeah. Um, it was super ignorant. So anyways, um, they ultimately decide that Charlotte is cursed. She can't get married and they offer to, um, remove the curse for a hundred dollars. She realizes this is a scam and she turns around and leaves. And on her way home, she finds faith in herself and in love. And she bumps into a hot guy um, as she's leaving. I, I actually wrote it in the notes. I thought it'd be really funny if um, this guy pickpocketed her actually. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine? That'd be so funny. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be fun for, I mean, I realize the main theme of this episode is faith, but I feel like there, you know, there's also this theme of kind of like fortune and luck with this episode. Right. And so yeah. I feel like, um, that would have that would have been very funny for sure, but also dark. Right. <laughs> um, so we are somehow still at the Church of Disco. I did break up this episode. I paused and, and ate dinner. Um, but okay. it, this episode felt really long. Yeah, <laughs> I was um, like kind of shocked. I was like, See, really, like another one? Okay, we're still yeah. at the Church of Disco. Um, maybe it was like a couple minutes longer being the season finale. I didn't check. Um, but Miranda invites Skipper to spend the night at her place. This is, I know you hate Skipper, but I thought the scene was cute as fuck. Um, I he said every but... night I'd light a candle and say a prayer. And she says, you're fucking, re-. she says something like you're, she calls him a freak. Yeah. yeah she says you're a freak. And, but she loves it. She loves it. She totally loves it. She's like, she's fucking has this like shit eating smirk the whole time. No. She's obsessed. Yeah. She thinks That's this is I, great. I, you don't want Amanda light a candle and pray for you, Andrew. Absolutely not. Actually, that that sounds awful. <laughs> if um, a guy, if a guy called me and he was like, "I am praying for you. I'm praying that you come back into my life and fuck me," I would hang up the phone, block the number, never speak to him again. <laughs> um, so we uh, were with Samantha suddenly, um, and she's actively crying <laughs> while getting fucked. Yeah. And he asks her why she's crying, and she says that she's just so happy. Yeah. God. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, I I don't even know. I don't even yeah. know what to say to that. Right. Uh, we then reconnect with Carrie. Um, the extensions are out, thank God. She is just walking around her apartment, and Big is about to pick her up for them to go on their vacation. They need to go to the airport. Mm-hmm. And... I kind of, I don't normally like live blog in my notes so much, but I did with this a little bit. I literally typed, oh man, this is going to be messy. Like I just felt what was coming. Um, Obviously I've seen this before, but it's been a while and I kind of forgot exactly how it went down. Um, Like happening right before they're supposed to go on the trip. And I was just like, oh my God. So um, Carrie is super nervous and is like trying to, she's asking him for a sign. Mm -hmm. She's like basically being like, I need to know. Just tell me I'm the one, is what she says. That's a famous yeah. line out from the show. Just tell me I'm the one. She's like, I, you don't have to tell the whole world. You don't have to tell your mom. But tell me, tell me that you love me. Like, tell me that, that, that this is real. Um, and she needs the validation and the security so desperately. And the withholding from Big, like, this has to stop. Like, it's clearly become so unhealthy. I mean, like, she's she's breaking all these boundaries and like mm-hmm. um, acting out in all of these ways that are clearly saying, like, like, five alarm fire. Like, something is going on. 
and and this clearly the dynamic of this relationship is is not healthy um and so i'm conflicted here because like she really put him on the spot Uh in a really crazy way like they're literally about to go to the airport (laughs) like how did you not you couldn't have called him yesterday you couldn't have i mean geez um you couldn't have called him before he got there (laughs) like um i i think that she was really kind of like hoping that in that moment big would give her what she needed like she was like i'm gonna give one more chance and just like if and if he and if he can do this for me now, then like I'll move forward. But if not, I'm not going to be able to do it. And that's exactly what happens. She says, "I love you, but but I can't do this." She she breaks up with Big, mm-hmm. lets him go to the Caribbean by himself. Yeah, um, I said that I wish that she would just go on the trip and talk about it while they're there because this exactly. would have been way more cinematic on the beach. Um, it just would have made more sense. <laughs> yeah, I also say I know you're about to defend Mr. Big, and I'll let you do that. But I I do want to say I'm certain that this has happened to Mr. Big before. <laughs> Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> times. Um, yeah. So so we close the season with a little um, Carrie just kind of affirming over voiceover her faith in herself that one day she will meet someone who will be sure that she is the one. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, I right. hope so. Yeah. Uh, where, so, yeah, what, so so tell me now, what's your take on, on this, on their dynamic? Especially now that you've, you know, th- this is it. The whole season, yeah. Right. Um, I tell you what, this this episode pissed me off. Um, I got really mad at this episode. Actually, okay. I doubt I doubt that was the reaction you expected from me. Not necessarily, um, yeah. But uh, I I was really pissed off by, by this episode. I think it's because, like, I'm I I I think I've been thinking a lot actually about why I disagree with so many of Carrie's choices in relation to Big. And it's that, you know, Carrie is in this relationship. She is everything that I, like, fight to repress in myself (laughs) when when I'm in a relationship. Like, I Uh, fight tooth and nail to not be fucking insane. And I, I, like, fight so hard. I fight myself so hard to not be, like, a panicked teenager, you know, desperately trying to... uh, just become attached like someone just like for someone to leech onto me like to to attach onto me like i i think that like carrie wants what i thought was a relationship in high school like this just like truly guttural unhealthy codependence mm-hmm. um and i i don't know like i this whole like mom thing um with like her wanting to meet big's mom like why why does it have why does carrie insist on everything being on her terms like it seems like she has actually given up very little for this relationship and big has been so lenient with her and i'm not trying to like defend all of the bad communication that he's had they both have very bad communication mm-hmm. but if no, i were, if i were in big shoes the very first time that carrie showed up shit face drunk yelling at me at my apartment that's it like i'm done i'm never speaking to this person again like, if this is real fucking life, I'm never talking to this person again. So for him to allow that to happen, like, three times, like, this sort of, like, insane, you know, explosion over the course of, like, I don't know, six to eight months that they've been dating, that's extremely lenient. Um, you know, I, I, I just think that her obsession with, like, wanting to find this perfection, wanting to get this, uh, this, this whatever romantic thing that she wants is so um naive and completely unobtainable like personally i have a lot of baggage with the word love i don't i don't really like that word it's like a kind of a 
hot button issue for me. So for her to like hold this guy's hand that she's known for like six to eight months or however long it is and say, you have to tell me you love me. That's, that's ridiculous to me. That's like, that's like, that's mm. insane. That's insane. I, I can't do that. Sorry. Okay. No, it's, uh, you've done such a beautiful job of expressing yourself. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, it's interesting. It's like, I agree with you about Carrie. Yeah. I don't agree with you about Big. I agree <laughs> that Carrie has given up very little. I also feel like Big has given up very little. They've been together for eight months. Like, I, okay, you know what? I'll be honest. For me, if I were eight months into a serious relationship and we haven't said I love you yet, that's weird. I think if you've been with somebody for eight months and you're not sure if you love them yet, like, you need to end the relationship. That's how I feel. I'm clenching my teeth right now because I, that's I, fine. Just, I don't feel we're, that way. <laughs> that's fine. And that, well, and that means that we're different people. And yeah, in the same way okay. that Right. In the same way that Carrie and Big are different people. And yeah. I think that the problem, obviously, I mean, we've been saying it since, like, fucking episode three or whatever. Like, they, neither of them directly communicate their needs. Like, right. Carrie's right. actual need is affirmation that this relationship is serious and not yeah. one-sided. But she doesn't ask for... Well, she does ask for that, I guess, in the last scene. But, like, up until then, she she hasn't asked for that. What she has asked for is, um, you know, can I meet your mother? Um, why didn't you tell me that you used to be married? Um, why don't you want to get married in the future? Like, you know, every episode, there's been, like, the little mini-conflict. And, right. like, and she tries to get that, that affirmation and that approval from Big... Um, indirectly by making it about like a kind of a specific issue rather than the the overarching issue of the relationship which is this complete this this wall between the two of right. them where neither of them are actually directly communicating their needs um i will say this i do think that mr big does communicate his needs in like little moments for sure he does it in this episode he's done it in past episodes too where he like he, he'll just say things very very plainly just being like you need to just give it time I, you know I, I i need a little bit of space i need to kind of do things in my own terms blah 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 but i don't really feel like he's always he doesn't really ever quite give her enough he kind of just says a little bit and then it's like okay and now we're done and carrie just kind of like lets that happen right. even though she has more she she needs more but she doesn't express that right, right. um I also think that, like, when you're in a relationship, especially for a long relationship, I mean, they know each other very well at this point. I think that Mr. Big has some responsibility for kind of being able to have a little bit more emotional intelligence and kind of pick up on what Carrie's feeling. Like, they really do need to be meeting somewhere in the middle. Like, Carrie needs to be expressing herself better and more clearly and and in less passive-aggressive ways. Um, but Mr. Big also demonstrated passive aggression in this episode when he introduces Carrie as her, his friend. I mean, like, he literally says right after that, like, when they're talking one-on-one without the mom, he's like, you know, basically was just like, I said that because I'm pissed that you showed up at the church. And it's really ridiculous and bad that she did that, but him, like, he's just throwing it right back at her, right? So it's right, like... But- yeah, I, I have to disagree with that one in particular, because imagine if it had been reversed and he said, mom, this is my girlfriend, Carrie. And the mom's like, oh, you go to this church. Oh, you're an idiot. You dropped your Bible. Oh, like all these questions. And, and Carrie has to like either lie to her or admit to her like, no, actually, I wanted to spy on you and your son here. Um, right. OK, you know what? I'll, I'll concede on that one. I see what you mean, because like, yeah, she was she was just so fucking out of line to show up. I mean, yeah. like that was, that was truly kind of beyond the pale actually. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I love Carrie. I really do. I, I don't think I will stick up for Carrie here. I don't think that Carrie is fucking naive to want. I think that your whole 
your whole little uh, rant that you just went on or whatever about <laughs> her like desiring codependency and like a fairy tale romance. I think that mm. you might be thinking of Charlotte. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that that's actually what Carrie wants. Carrie says what she wants. She wants, um, she wants reciprocity. She, um, she wants emotional security. And I think that those yeah. are like totally valid things to want in a relationship. I, and I don't think that she's naive or juvenile or whatever to want those things or ask for them. I, but I do think that the way that she goes about trying to get them with Mr. Big is obviously incredibly problematic. And it's toxic. And it's, uh, it's toxic. Yeah. And it's a huge part of the reason why the relationship has failed. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree that like those things are not um, far fetched to want but in a timely manner. Like you can't, like her whole thing about the marriage thing, like she finds out that Big doesn't want to get married again and she freaks the fuck out because like, oh, what if I want to get married to him someday? Like, babe, this is years in the making. Like, why are you freaking out about this now? Is it now? years in the making? It is. When, it when is. Carrie is, okay, but here's the thing. Carrie is 32 and Big is in his 40s. And I do think... That doesn't change anything. You can get married com- anytime. I completely fucking disagree that that doesn't change anything. You Like, uh, she is in a completely different place in her life than you are, right? So, so I think that you need to consider that. Yeah, like, I think that, you know, it's dating for six, eight months and talking about marriage is a little soon. But I'm 28 years old. I'm gay. And I'm, I'm, I'm not financially secure, really. I'm in a completely different place in my career. Like, I... You know, these are people that, as far as you can tell, have like friendships and and career stuff like totally figured out. They did that in their twenties, which is not how it really happens in real life. But in this fairy tale, fairy tale New York, you know, they have all of that figured out, and now they're focusing on the romance stuff. And it is a priority for them to find somebody who wants to get married because, like, she's like, I'm 32, and I would like to. You know, we learn in the season that she does eventually want to have kids. Like, you can't you after a certain point, you can't do that. So I do think that you need to. I. I think that she is on a different timeline than us. And I think that we have to keep that in mind. I just think that's the issue though. Like that's what I, I think that like she's on this different timeline and if she wants all this stuff, she wants, you know, a healthy relationship and she wants someone to love her. You can't put another person in that timeline. Oh, I completely agree with you, but that's not what you said. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, that's just the situation. Like I, I, like I was saying, I, I completely agree that these are all like completely, you know, fine things to ask for. But to force that onto somebody and to like stand there, you know, when you're about to get into a car to go on this vacation, which is also bad, by the way, like that Caribbean thing was really bad of him. Um, uh, it was, I mean, it was bad for her to say, yeah, that was, that was intense. That was bad for yeah. her to say yes. Right. So to stand there and if be like, no, you have to give me, like, I'm giving you an ultimatum. That's, that's bad. And I don't know. I just, I really resonate with this is like, Carrie is the, um, obsessive uh like subconscious part of my brain like the unhealthy part of my brain that's like i need to do all this i need to like force this onto people i need to like uh get in you know i need to figure them out so they can uh so Mm -hmm. i can figure out like their their intentions i need to do all these like all the secret shit and like i i right the secret stuff the behind the back stuff like that is right totally wrong and i will not i will not um stand here and defend that I also won't defend her extensions. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that we, was we, I think we need to move on. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that was the season finale. Um, I think we do need to talk about fashion, but I think we need to talk about it pretty quickly. You know your look? I do, yeah. You go first. So, um, my look, which I told you like right away not to take, 
was Carrie's. I don't. I think there's like a split scene at the very beginning when she like starts her um, like voiceover for Miranda's thing. But after that, when she's walking with Miranda on the yes. sidewalk, that look, I would have taken this wearing, look. So I'm glad that you said that you wanted good. it. Yeah, she is so beautiful. Um, she is wearing the these gray um, cropped slacks with I think high heels of some kind. I didn't really get a good look at the shoes, and then this like sort of um, mauve. Purple, it was pink. like hot pink. It was like magenta. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. This um, like top uh, that was tucked into the slacks and uh, had long sleeves. Um, she is so perfect in this scene. Like it, her, her, her waist is microscopic and her hips just look so great. Like she looks so phenomenal. Um, yeah. She, um, I, I think with somebody who is literally like, so diminutive like ariana grande size like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you you really i like you really need to wear some she's like four foot eleven i think yeah <laughs> you really need to like wear things that have like a lot of impact and yeah i think that this totally did it i definitely i love i love a body conscious moment i love that everything was super tight um and yeah it, she she really stood out but it was but it also felt like it felt very classic like it kind of felt like it was almost like she was like a 1950s movie star like on a boat yeah exactly right but like very yeah. but like the color scheme was very 90s so like i i, yeah. I really did appreciate this look a lot and yeah. her hair was that's, i think she had pigtails which it. actually worked so well i don't remember i don't remember what her hair looked it was like. pigtails i think they were they were like low okay. pigtails but i was I, yeah, she can totally pull off pigtails oh absolutely yeah yeah um okay so my look was also a carry look it was the look that she yeah. wore to the church Okay. <laughs> I will say that for a church look, it was beautiful, but like uh-huh. it was really giving me like a southern church. You right. know, she has that's like the, she has like that. this white and green vertical stripe um dress that was like, you know, had this like really like um A-line skirt and like um yeah. like the cinched in waist with the belt and then she's got this like white hat on or like cream colored hat on. Um and oh, she yeah. looked beautiful, but um like yeah, her Miranda. Like we alluded to, her Miranda looks so fucking ridiculous because it's like all they of these do. people are are dressed for, you know, like everyone's wearing black. Um, it almost does kind of look like a funeral, like you said. Um, and so they right. just stick out so much, which like of course was intentional, but it's like they look really ridiculous. I hated Miranda's outfit. I don't know why they put her in an orange hat. Too. That was it dreadful. Her, it clashed with like the rest of her body. Like it just it did not. work. It was so inappropriate. I'm. Uh, just, I was like, did you go out and buy these? pieces because that didn't look like yeah. something Miranda would have owned exactly um right. but yeah Car- Carrie does look really beautiful in this dress I think it's a really a really interesting and 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 very beautiful dress that's all I have to say about it in, in my mind it's it's something that Carrie loaned Miranda to go to this you know what you're place. probably right but but Miranda is like a foot taller than her so I don't know how that uh, worked. I, I didn't get a good look I I was so I, I, I see least, what you mean I, though it looked like something out of Carrie's closet for sure right. like something bad yeah. out of Carrie's closet right. something bad out of Carrie's way closet. deep in the back yeah. Um, okay. So, um, did I? The question is, did I get a prediction? You so, didn't. No, you didn't. Okay. Okay. Big and I'm Carrie sorry. are going to have a bad fight. Big is going to freak out. Yeah, Big did, did not, not freak Big, out. Big was just Big really kind of um, despondent. It seemed like. Yeah. So because because this one was so time dependent, why don't we just go ahead and put red over this one? If that's okay with you. Oh, just being like this did not happen. Yeah, this did not happen. Like right. this one is for sure. Um, I can do that. I got it. Oh, okay. Um, anyways, so my we're gonna do pink for... to keep it in the colors of the pink, document. Pink. 
Um, so my prediction for the future is that in season three, we're going to have a conversation about race. Uh, no, I'm kidding. That was nice. your Um, no. So let me think. Um, I think that, um, oh my God, I have the perfect one. Someone is going to propose to Charlotte and she's going to say no. I love that prediction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's such a Charlotte. That's like such a thing that would happen to Charlotte. Because it's so like, it it would be such a, an inflection point for her character, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, Hot topics, just real quick. Yeah. Oh God. Well, here's a fuck. This is just going to be a long episode. I have a hot topic related to sex in the city. Okay, go. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah. no, No, you go first, get yours out of the way. And then we can talk about what I need to talk about. Uh, my hot topic is haircuts by my ex-boyfriend. Um, you look great. Thank you. It's so um, cute. Thank you. Um, I had a whole head full of hair when I came out here to Seattle. My my ex-boyfriend, who I'm staying with, um, who's also an avid listener of the show. Um, hi. Uh, he's in the other room. Um, he Googled how to cut hair, and he buzzed parts of my hair. And I love it. I think it's so great. It's perfect. You look awesome. There you go. Everyone go on Andrew's <laughs> Twitter and um, and look at his hair. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it was today. Maybe it was yesterday. Um, there are heavy rumors going around that we are getting a Sex and the City reboot featuring Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, Kristen Davis, but not Kim Cattrall. So there's two okay. things that we need to talk about. One... I want to go on the record as somebody who really adores this show, considers it to be like a really, really important contribution to American television. Um, I had no idea. Thinking that it, it despite <laughs> all of its really, really big flaws that we're going to continue to call out and criticize as we kind of dissect the show. Mm-hmm. I, in spite of all of that, I do think that the show is really great and really important. And I think that, I think that the movies, I think that the first movie was pretty good. We are going to cover the movie. The first okay. movie was pretty good. At least the first movie. The second movie is like really fucked up and not good. Mm-hmm. And then I think any sort of reboot, especially if they're not going to have Kim Cattrall, is that is dead in the water. I think that that is such a horrible idea. I think that we need to cut it the fuck out with this like late 90s, early 2000s nostalgia. Like, can we please just start to move forward? Like there are so many more, like way more interesting stories that could be told that have been told on um, shows that are kind of a more kind of modern answer to this. Like, you know, certainly Insecure comes to mind um, and, and lots of other shows that I feel like are talking about women and sex and gender and all of this stuff in ways that are way more interesting and way more relevant to people now. Um, and I would like to see more of those stories get told um, rather than just learning more about these like fucking like rich white women. Um, and so to get into the Kim Cattrall thing. So do you, I'm assuming Andrew that you don't know that much about the backstage or, you know, behind the scenes drama. No, I've actually tried to avoid that. There isn't, a, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of it on the record. They've all like tried to keep it like pretty diplomatic when they've been like asked so, about it in interviews, but it is. You're going to, you're, you're going to laugh. So I, so when all the news came out yesterday and I saw people tweeting, I saw you actually tweeting about Kim Cattrall not being in it. So I was like, oh my God, is Kim Cattrall dead? So I Googled, oh it. I Googled it just to make sure she wasn't dead. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, she is not dead. She's certainly not super active in the, in the public eye anymore. I, so Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall hate each other. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Um, it's my understanding that this, that this feud kind of like started to develop while they were producing the show. Um, and, and it's been, it's been very persistent. Um, the most recent kind of like thing that came up is actually, um, very sadly, Kim Cattrall's brother, um, suddenly passed away last year. And um, Sarah Jessica Parker actually extended her condolences to Kim Cattrall, and Kim went on Instagram basically saying like, "You are not my fucking friend, and like, I don't fucking want to hear from you right now. Like, I, I'm grieving, okay. and like, and the fact that you like thought that I wanted to hear from you is like so narcissistic and fucked up." Basically, it's basically what she said. I, I, I don't, I don't know these women, and I don't know what happened. I could certainly see. So my understanding is that Cynthia and Kristen. Um, are still friendly with Sarah Jessica Parker. And I think that some people interpret this as being kind of like a three-on-one situation where Kim Cattrall got kind of ganged up on. Um, Mm -hmm. Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker were pretty equally famous at the start of this show. And obviously since, you know, it was, it was Sarah Jessica Parker's vehicle. And later on, um, I think starting in season four, Sarah Jessica Parker becomes executive producer. And so um, I think that Kim Cattrall likely felt a little bit of like jealousy or resentment um, in terms of like, you know, feeling like she was maybe a little bit more worthy of recognition for her. Like we've been saying all season, really phenomenal performance. It is a really phenomenal performance. Um, anyway, I, I guess I don't have a point because I don't, I don't feel like, even though I love Sarah Jessica Parker and the way that she advocates for public libraries, I love it. Um, I don't know her and it's definitely very possible that she's like a total dick. Um, I think it's also very possible that Kim Cattrall is like a total dick. You know, like, I don't know. Um, yeah. But it's it's all very interesting. And I just, I so my hot topic or my or, or my take is that I really just do not want there to be, I don't want this reboot to happen. Um, even if they could have gotten Kim Cattrall, I don't want this reboot to happen because I just, I very strongly feel that we need to move away from fucking reboots and yeah. start telling more interesting stories because they exist. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that I don't want the reboot to happen because that would mean I'd have to produce more episodes of the show. So. We, if the reboot happens, we're not, we are not covering it. I'm just okay. saying right now. We're not covering Sex in, in the City 2. Yeah, we're not covering the second movie. We're not covering okay. the Carrie Diaries because I've never seen it. And we're not covering um, any sort of reboot. Absolutely not. Got it. But the first okay. movie, ooh, pretty Going good. Pretty good. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll, we'll, great. we'll cover that at some point. Okay. You can find it on our Patreon. Um, just kidding. We'd never when, do that. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, when do we set up a Patreon? And when do we start like actually fucking you, making money off of this? You understand that a Patreon would require us to create more content, right? Absolutely. Um, there was something I thought I, I had a dream though. I this is this is gonna get cut. Sorry. I had a dream that you, this, that like, you don't cut it. Wealthy investor like bought the rights to our show or something like that and then like he put ads in it and then i was making money to produce the show and then i was like having a good time like every day every week i was like you know what i'm having a really good time like producing the show my understanding is that you're not having a very good time right now and i don't know if maybe we need to talk about that before season two but i just want like a little bit of like stasis in my life where it's like okay now i can dedicate two hours to producing the podcast per week and it's like done but our incentive is in the enjoyment from our fans. I actually just got a really great message from a person listening to the show that was like, I love this show. You did such a great job. And I was like, thank you. I got a very nice message as well, actually. Not from the same Perfect. person, I don't think. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, I have one question for you. Uh-huh. We talked about getting a very special guest for the season two yes. premiere. 
did you reach out to her? 